Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. I was thinking as we were uh, singing that last song and and just worshiping, what an amazing song that is, uh, the original It Is Well, um, along with that one that we we sang. But I I was thinking, is it well? Think for yourself in your own soul, in your own life, is it well? If you died today, do you know with certainty that you would be with God in eternity? Is it well with your soul? Today, I want to talk about Psalm 32. I want to talk about the idea of what it means to be blessed by God. To be blessed, you must confess. And that's going to be the theme of what we're going to talk about today. Now, next week, Pastor Stephen is going to be starting a sermon series on Psalm 23. So, thought it appropriate to start Psalm 32 uh, here today. And I want you to really tune in and engage with that sermon series that he is going to be doing. What does it mean to be blessed? That is the question I want to address today. What, is, what does blessing mean? Uh, again, I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 32. It's one of my favorite psalms in all of the Bible. But blessed for many, and what is preached about by a lot of mainstream theologians or mainstream preachers, very popular YouTube preachers or television evangelists, the idea of being blessed for many means the absence of any troubles or difficulties or hardships in life. That's what they mean by blessed. If you're blessed, that means you don't have any hardships or difficulties or trials or troubles. In particular, many mean the idea of blessing as that you are financially well off. To be blessed means something with finances, that your finances have taken the next step. You are being blessed financially. Now, I don't want to deny that God doesn't come through and help in many different circumstances in many different ways, but the idea of blessing is so far beyond that that those things don't even fall really under God's definition of what it means to be blessed. The word blessed in the Hebrew language is the Hebrew word ashir, and it means to be happy. To be happy. In the Greek language, the word blessed is the Greek word makarios, and it means, again, to be happy. Happiness, though, is different in biblical terms than many of us define it. Many of us define happiness as an external form of happiness. In other words, if the circumstances are just right externally, then I am happy. So if I meet the right person, and if the right person does exactly what I want them to do, if my job is just right, if my finances are just right, if my health is just right, then I am happy. Again, it's external happiness, external circumstances lining up just right. But the biblical definition of happiness is very different. The biblical definition of happiness is, as, is an internal sense of happiness regardless of what is going on in my life around me. It's how believers in Africa, 
that are facing persecution that may even have their lives taken this very day can still find happiness and joy because happiness and joy does not depend upon my circumstances. It has everything to do with the condition and the state of my heart, the things that are happening in the midst of my life. God's idea of happiness, God's idea of blessing is not external, it is completely internal. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, found themselves in prison. Yet as they were sitting in prison, chained, they were praying and singing songs of praise. How can you do something like that? How could Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were facing a fiery furnace, still trust in God in the midst of that, saying, our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down, we will still worship the Lord. Happiness is not something external, it's something completely internal. Blessing is to be happy in the Lord, to find an incredible joy in the Lord. Psalm 32 gives us the picture of what happiness really is. And I want to read through this together. And at the very end of this, we are going to share in communion together. So I hope that you picked up one of the little communion um, Instacups as you came in the door here today. Here's how Psalm 32 starts. It's a psalm written by David. And here's what David says. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is pardoned. Blessed is the one whose guilt Adonai does not count, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Here is the picture of what it means to be blessed. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, that you would convict our thinking. I pray, Lord, that we would put aside any false theology, maybe that we have tried to believe all of our lives, and really believe what your word tells us. I pray, Father, that every one of us would be in a position where we are being blessed by you, that we would know with certainty that we are yours and that we will be with you forever in eternity. I pray now, Lord, that your spirit would help us to hear from you. Not only give me the words to say, Lord, but speak to each person individually the way that you want to. There are some today that need to be encouraged, some that need to feel conviction, some that need to be sharing with others your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would work on our hearts in any way that you want. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to notice these two words. The two words in this psalm are the word blessed. Blessed is the one. And then again, he says it this way, blessed is the one. What is that idea of blessing? Is the idea of blessing that I'm going to be financially taken care of, that all my problems are going to go away, that my wife is going to be just perfect and act the way that I want her to all the time. It's always her fault. It's never my fault, by the way. Is that what blessing is going to mean? The answer is no. Because God's idea of blessing is this. Blessed is the one who is forgiven. Blessed is the one who is pardoned. Blessed is the one who is guilty, but the guilt is not counted against them. Blessed is the one who then walks in no deceit, who walks in truth going forward. The greatest blessing you can have in your life is the blessing of being forgiven. 
We are guilty before God. We are guilty before the holy God because of all of our sin in our lives. We are guilty before him. And if we stood in a court of law and if all of the evidence was presented before him on what we have done, the sentence would be guilty. But God says, look, You're blessed because I have forgiven you. You're blessed because I have pardoned you from the punishment you deserve. You're blessed because I am not going to hold anything against you. I will not count it against you. You're blessed then in return when you begin to walk in truth in life as you go forward in life. If you equate blessing with wealth or the absence of difficulties... If you equate blessing with the ease of life, you need to get that theology out of your head because that's not scriptural. Scriptural blessing is that God has forgiven you, he has pardoned you, he is not counting your sin against you, and he wants you to keep walking in truth from this day forward. Well, the question then becomes, not only what does it mean to be blessed, but how can I be blessed? David is going to give us three things about how to be blessed in life as we move forward. How to be in a position where we are being blessed by God. Step number one is confess. Step number one is to confess. Let's look at what David says in this psalm as he keeps going forward. He says this, When I kept silent, my bones became brittle. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was drained as in the droughts of summer. David starts this by stating the obvious of where he was at prior to God and where we are at before our relationship with God. Have you ever been at that stage of life where your life was just miserable? You were empty, You were dry. You were searching, but you didn't know what you were searching for. You were looking for things to fill up the emptiness in only the way that you thought, and it never quite satisfied. You were searching for the right person, and you met that person, but then you realized that that person did not have the power to fill up the emptiness in your life, and it became even more of a battle. You were looking for the right job, and then you realized the job didn't fill up the emptiness. You were looking for the right material possessions and then you realize they just don't do it. They don't fill the emptiness that is there. You tried and you tried and you tried and you could never find the thing that would finally fill you up and make you feel right. You were looking for something. You were on a journey for something in life. The prodigal son story is the ultimate picture of what this looks like. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son was living there with his father and with his older brother. They had quite an estate. And the prodigal son said to his father, please just give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until after you die. Just give it to me now, and I'm going to take off, and I'm going to live my life the way that I want to. Well, the father did. He gave him his inheritance. And it says of that son that he left and he went on a journey. As he was going on this journey, by the way, that's why we are called journey here at this church. Everybody is searching for something. He went on a journey and he was looking for something. And so he got involved in the drug scene, the party scene, the alcohol scene, the the getting ahead scene. And he spent and he blew every dollar he had. 
and he wound up hitting rock bottom. And he realized that my only hope is to go back to my father and ask for forgiveness and hope that he will in order to live out the rest of my life. And I'll just live it as a servant because I don't deserve anything better than that. He was dry, he was dead, he was searching, he was looking, he was hungering. It's exactly what David describes here. He says, when I kept silent, when I just, when I just tried to live my own life without acknowledging you, God, I was just broken, I was brittle, my bones became brittle, I was groaning, I was searching, I was looking. I, I felt that conviction, but I refused to turn to you, and I was dry, like in the droughts of summer, I was empty. See, that's what the picture of life without God really is. It's what it looks like. In fact, what it could be described of is the picture that you see on the bottom of your screen. It's this picture of a bridge. That on one side, God is there, but I am across the other side. On a, on a, there's a chasm between us. I'm on the other side, and I cannot get to God. In fact, maybe a better picture would be something like this a bottomless pit between God and myself and I have no way to get to him and I'm searching but I don't know what I'm searching for and I'm looking but I don't know what I'm looking for and I feel dry and I feel empty and I feel barren and I'm looking. So what do I try to do? Well, I try to—I just try harder or I try to be better or I try to perform more or I look for some religion that can connect the dots but I can never find my way to God. In... Jesus' teaching in the Gospels. Jesus tells a, a story. It's an incredible story. The story is of a guy by the name of Lazarus, and there is also a rich man, and both of them happen to die. And Jesus tells this story that Lazarus went to heaven, and the rich man went to hell. And the rich man could see Lazarus there in heaven, but he could not get to him because there was this great chasm that went, that stretched between the two of them. The ones in heaven could not get there to them, to hell. The ones in hell could not get to heaven. There was an incredible chasm. And the rich man said, could you just please send Lazarus? Have Lazarus dip his finger in the water and then touch my tongue. That would give me just a little bit of relief because I am here being tormented in this flame. It's where we get a picture of what hell could potentially be like. I am being tormented. And Jesus in the story says this. He says, you can't pass back and forth. There is this great chasm that is there between the two of you. You had a lifetime, he says, and you received the good things and he received awful. Now it's too late. No more decision can be made. You have your lifetime to make a decision. You have a lifetime to make a decision, but once, once that is over, it is too late. No more decision can be made. A great chasm existing between myself and God. So how do I bridge that chasm? Well, in Psalms, David gives us the Old Testament picture, and it matches the New Testament picture. Here's what David says. He goes on to say this, again in Psalm 32. He says, then, remember, I'm empty I'm dry. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm looking. I can't find. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. The word acknowledged means I learned, I saw, I understood, and I admitted. 
You know what it was? It was for the very first time he was saying, then I saw myself through your eyes, God. And I saw just how bad it was. And I learned how much I really had sinned. And I learned how much I had really done wrong. I understood from your perspective and I admitted. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. The word hide means to cover, conceal, or clothe. You ever been there where you try to conceal or cover or clothe your sin? We try to do that in a variety of ways. One of the ways is we just pretend like God's word doesn't matter. And it's really just concealing my sin. Or we try to say, you know what, that applies to other people, it doesn't apply to me. We don't take his word seriously. We don't take his ideas seriously. And essentially, we are just covering up our sin. David says, I didn't cover it anymore. I acknowledged it. I did not hide it. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Adonai, to the Lord. What does it mean to confess? To confess essentially means to agree with God. I agreed with God. I couldn't do anything to remedy it. I couldn't do anything to make things different. I couldn't go back and fix it. All I did was agree with God that it's as bad as, it, as he says it is. When I finally got to the point, he says, that I acknowledged, I didn't cover it up anymore. I admitted to you and I agreed with you and I confessed to you how bad it really was. Then you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's how to be blessed. When you finally come to him and you confess. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John writes this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Remember what David said. Blessed is the one who's been forgiven, who's been pardoned, whose guilt God does not hold against him anymore, does not count it anymore, and who then determines they're going to walk in truth going forward. If I confess my sins, he will forgive me. To confess does not mean you have to go to a priest. It does not have to mean that you go to a confessional. Confessing is to go to God and agree with God and say, God, I agree. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Can you please forgive me? And when you do, he forgives you. I confess my sins, and he is faithful. Now, Jesus is being thrown into the same category because Jesus becomes the one who is our mediator, our go-between. In Romans 10, 9, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, Yeshua, is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. David says, confess. Paul writes here, confess, but use Jesus as your confessional. He is the mediator. In fact, Jesus becomes then the great bridge. He becomes the great bridge that, that, that goes over the chasm that exists between myself, sinful man, and a holy God. Step number two. Step number one, confess. Step number two is return. Look again at what David says. So let everyone, let everyone who is godly, who desires to be godly, pray. 
pray to you, pray to you, God, in a time when you may be found. What will be the time that God will not be able to be found? Well, it's one of two things. It's either when my life ends, there's no more opportunity to find him at that point, or when he returns. When that happens, there's no more opportunity. Pray, seek him, acknowledge your sin to him, confess your sin to him at a time he can be found, and if you don't do it in the time he can be found, it will be too late. Sadly, we all have loved ones who will not acknowledge God, who will not come before him, acknowledging him, admitting what they have done, confessing their sins, and it will be too late if they don't come to saving grace before it's too late. We pray for them. You need to be praying for them. You need to be speaking to them, sharing with them. We also have loved ones that have died, and we know they were not saved. And I can't even imagine what it is that they're going through today. And it saddens me and it breaks my heart. So David writes, pray in a time where you may be found. When that happens and you become in that blessed state with God because God has forgiven you, he's not holding your sin against you, you have confessed to him. Now look what happens. When great floodwaters rise they will not reach him. In other words, when hard times happen, picture, picture the floodwaters. The floodwaters are rising. They're about to overwhelm you, but it will not affect you. It will not reach you because you are in a position with God. Now, that does not mean that hard times can't come upon us and that we won't go through hard times but we have a bigger hope that we are looking for. They will not reach you because you are my hiding place. You will protect me from distress. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. I want you to notice those three promises. Those three promises are the kind of promises that are refrigerator worthy, that you put on your refrigerator and look at them every day. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from distress. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. Do you know why that is? Again, the world's idea of happiness is external. God's idea of happiness is internal. When floodwaters come against us and our idea is external happiness, it will take away our happiness. But when floodwaters come against us and we have internal happiness... No amount of flood can affect us because we stay holding on to him. Again, that is why believers in other countries who are facing persecution today, who are facing imprisonment, who have lost their jobs, who have lost family members, the reason they can stay encouraged is because they have an internal source that God, you are with me, you are my hiding place, you will protect me, you will surround me with songs of deliverance. Step number three learn. Confess, return, and learn. I want to show you this next thing that David says. Look at this. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. 
I will give counsel, my eye is on you. God says this. What does that mean? He's saying this, be teachable. Be teachable. Listen. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to counsel you, God says. Listen to me. Be teachable. Be willing to learn. Humble yourself. Be willing to learn from me. He says, my eye is on you. Now, I love how he contrasts this. Then he says this, do not be like the horse or the mule. Don't be a certain word, okay? Don't be like a horse or a mule. Starts with Jack, okay? Don't, don't be like that. Don't be that kind of a person. You, you ever been around horses or mules that are not broken maybe or they're, they're acting ways that you would not want them to act and they could be stubborn and they could dig their feet in and you can't move them if they are just stubborn and acting that way. Don't be that person who says, I know better. I could just keep doing whatever I want to do. God's not going to punish me. I can get away with whatever I want to get away with. God's word doesn't matter. Don't be that person. Be humble. Be dependent. Confess your sins before him. Acknowledge your sins, and then you will be in a position that you will be blessed. So do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding and must be held with a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Finally, he gives us the result. And we're going to close with this and then go into communion. Here is the result of what happens when you are in that position. He says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but loving kindness surrounds the one who trusts in Adonai. Be glad in Adonai and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy all who are upright in heart. Loving kindness surrounds the one who says, God, I will confess my sins to you. God, I will acknowledge who I am in your eyes. God, I will admit all my junk to you. When you do that, you will find the loving kindness of God. And what does the loving kindness of God look like? It looks like this, being in a position where you are blessed. And what is a position of being blessed looks like? You have been forgiven. Your guilt is not held against you. Your sins are not counted against you. And you are walking in God's truth. When you do that, it is well with your soul. Let's pray and then go into a time of communion. Father, I pray today that you would help us to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that today in this place that we would come before you confessing our sins, just saying to you, God, I am sorry. I have been wrong. I have been living life for myself rather than you. I have not been obeying your word or obeying your truth. I have been walking in my own ways. I pray, Father, that today we would confess before you that we would find the forgiveness that we desperately need and that we would have closeness with you as we walk through the journey of life together. Lord, we ask for your blessing now as we do communion. Help it to bring honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I felt like it would be fitting today to close this service with communion, and then we're going to uh, have another song with the, uh, that the band is going to lead us in. But you should have gotten a little communion cup, and you can peel back that little top layer, and it will reveal the wafer that is there in that cup.
just hold on to this and we're going to partake of this together. Would you please listen as I read an invocation and then also read an invitation? Here's what it says. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are, hit, are, are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every heart is open to God. Every desire is known by God. No secrets are hidden from God. He knows it all. And so the best thing you can possibly do in your life is to be in agreement with him. Admitting, confessing, and making sure your heart is right. Listen as I read this invitation. All you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and fellowship with your neighbors and intend to live a new life following the commandments of God and walking from this day forward in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort. In Luke chapter 22, it says of that final Passover meal, it says that when the hour had come during the Passover meal, that he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The little wafer represents the body of our Lord Jesus, the body that was given for you, the body that was broken, that went to the cross on your behalf so that you did not have to. All of our sins are laid upon him. He took it all so that we would have hope and life with him forever. As you partake of the bread, may it remind you that his body was given for you you may partake. Now, if you'd open the cup. The juice represents the blood of our Lord Jesus, blood that was shed for the remission of sins. It reminds us of the Passover meal, the first one that existed in the book of Exodus, where the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorposts of the house. When the angel of death passed or saw the blood, he passed over those homes and they were spared. The blood of Jesus is also likewise painted on the blood of the doorposts of our hearts so that we may have life eternal with him. As you partake of the juice, may, you, may it remind you of the blood, the perfect sacrifice that was shed for you. You may partake. Would you please pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you sent your son, your one and only son, to die upon that cross on our behalf. That he is our perfect Passover lamb that his life was given for our sake. 
and that if we confess our sins before you, we put our trust in Jesus, we will forever be saved. We will be with you in eternity. I pray, Lord, that that would be the case. That in this room today, and those that are watching, that we would confess our sins before you. That we would put our trust in you, Jesus, for there is no other way to bridge the chasm. And then in putting our trust in you, we would find life with you. I pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts by your Holy Spirit to help us know that we are your children and that we can look to you with encouragement and hope. And going forward, Lord, help us to never walk in deceit, but walk in truth. Help us to walk in the truth of your word. Help us to do your word to live according to your standards, to live according to your rule rather than our own. Thank you for meeting with us today. Be with us now as we leave. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.